Good morning, everybody. Wow, you guys are not awake this morning yet, huh? Good morning, everybody. Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Not so long ago, doesn't seem like so, I was sitting where you were sitting. You're probably wondering and saying, well, what's this old gray-haired fellow doing here? If it wasn't so long ago. Well, I was a late bloomer. I got saved when I was 35 years old. And I was a very religious person, but yet I did not know the Lord as my Savior. I grew up in an area where when my wife were in that community, it was 100% Roman Catholic. There was no gospel whatsoever. I just want to share maybe some of these things in my life, how God drew me with cords of love. And amazing thing, he uses the scripture to do that. And you know what? I'm in trouble. I lost my notes. Hang with me a minute. I'm sure I'll find them. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, talks about how powerful the Word of God is. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Really, that's what I would like to share with you this morning is how that the Word of God spoke to my heart concerning how I was. Being very religious and brought up in a very religious home, I thought that I could work my way to heaven. But it seems that the older I got, the worse I got. And really, I didn't have to have anybody tell me that I was a sinner. I knew that in my heart. By the way I acted, by the things I did. And I don't need to go in details with these things. So, my wife and I lived on the family farm. We raised our boys there. We had some good times together. We worked hard. And we were trying to get more and more involved in religion. Because as I saw my boys growing up, my question was, Is that all there is to life? So, it sent us on a search. Is there truth in this world? Are we right in the religion that we practice? We are on the parish council. We are on the same group, which which is uh, 
looking after teens? Did you know what we did for activities for the teens? We brought them down the church basement. We played game. We sold cigarettes. And most of the teenage boys would go in the back of the church outside and nip. That was the extent of our involvement with young people. Why? Because we did not have anything to give them. But as interesting as we question, guess what? This you need to remember. Wherever God works, so does the old devil. You know who came knocking on our door? Jehovah Witnesses. Now we had something in common because we were not dairy farmers, but we milked cows and we had animals on the farm and so did they. They lived a couple of roads up from us. So one day as they were helping us making hay, they uh, asked the man ask me if it was all right for his wife to come and read their Bible with my wife. And of course, they were kind people. They were friendly. They were helpful. And who am I to refuse because of the helping hand that he gave? I said, sure, it's no problem. But as uh, these people were pointing out what was wrong with Roman Catholicism, they were posing more questions in our mind than answers. And there was a point in time when the lady finally confronted us concerning having to make a decision. They had been teaching us the Bible, their Bible, and they said, you are at a point of decision. You need to join our church in order to be able to live in the heavenly kingdom. And at that point, I said, well, what if I don't? The young woman pointed to my dog that was sleeping under the kitchen table, and she says, you are going to be like that dog. You're going to die, your spirit and your soul, and you're annihilated, and there's no more of you. Wow, that was a revelation to me. Because even in Roman Catholicism, I was always thought that there was a heaven and there was a hell. But how to go to heaven, I have no idea how to do it, other than trying to be good. But the harder I tried, the worse I got. So I told the young lady, you know what? You are just giving me a license to sin. She says, what do you mean? Well, if there's no consequences for my action, I'm going to go get myself a couple of bottles of whiskey and three or four wild women, and I'm going to live it up if there's no consequences for sin. She had no answer. And that's when my wife started questioning, and she said, Vinny, we need to get somebody here that has the truth. 
And not long after, there was a godly man. His name is Dick Goopel. But here are the scripture that God used to turn my heart around. I already knew as I was a sinner. I didn't hear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because I knew today in that state that I was in that if I was going to die, I was going to go to hell. I had no doubt. So God, the Holy Spirit, knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That is what is so amazing about God's word. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, there is a verse that struck the chords of my heart. Let me read the verse for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You know how God used that verse? Day after day, growing up as a young boy, we used to repeat the rosary. Ten Hail Marys, one Our Father. We did that through five. So actually it was 50 Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. Repeating prayers day in and day out. And many times just falling asleep out of boredom. I still remember them perfectly from the repetitious, the rosary. And that, ro- that verse sent us to our priests. And I says, my wife and I both said, why is it that we repeat prayers over and over? And the Bible says, and that word there, heathens, translated in French is savage. And that's a, that's a striking word. Un savage. Now, the priest was eloquent in his answer. Well, you know, Vinny, uh, since the first Pope Peter, they laid down the traditions of the fathers and that we need to follow the teachings or the traditions from our early foundation. Having no knowledge of Scripture, that was a good answer. Ah, thank you. That's excellent. So I'm not wrong as a Roman Catholic. But then we went back home, and as my wife was looking at the scriptures over and over, and talking, by the way, to one person in town that was a born-again believer. There was no church there. I knew him from high school. He was a drunk, a rabble-rouser, And his life was different. I could not understand what happened to this man. So as time went on, sometimes he'd come and help us in our farm, and I'd ask him questions. And there was another verse that struck the chords of my heart. And that one is found in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. 
the answer that the priests had given us. Verse 6 says, And he answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrite, as it is written. This people honors me with their lip, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now here's the key verse, verse 8. Mark chapter 7, verse 8. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men. Bang. What is going on? Repetitious prayer. He tells us, no, you've got to follow tradition. And here Jesus is rebuking the hypocrites for following tradition. Guess what? My wife and I ran down to the church after Sunday morning mass. And of course, the priest, we call him father. And that's another verse. Call no man father on earth, especially in the spiritual sense. How come you told us no repetitious prayer, but the Bible says, don't do it? Then you told us traditions. We need to follow them. And Jesus himself says, no, you're a hypocrite if you do. This is a profound answer he gave me. Vinny, we have a good little group here. Everybody gets along. And if you are going to be questioning everything I say, Leave. That was his answer. And I remember one day, my family and I were sitting in church. My wife turned to me and she said, this is empty. And she said, I don't want to come back here. These are the verses of scripture that brought us to the point of realizing Catholicism is false. And as you are going to be going out in ministry, there is a trend today to accept Catholicism because it has some good things. But I'm here to tell you after spending 35 years of my life in it and the emptiness that I felt, it is not of God. If you know what Catholicism is about, prayer to the dead, masses for the departed, purgatory, statues, idols, The Ten Commandments tells us you shall have no graven image. The church ignores it. It has an element of truth. Yes, it recognizes Christ as the Son of God. But it does not believe that his sacrifice on the cross is sufficient for salvation. You have to adhere to the church's teaching.
And that is infant baptism. That is the holy sacraments of the Holy Mother Church. See, most people don't know that. Thus, they're quick to embrace. We got friends of ours. They're believers. But she has a brother that's in the Catholic Church. And she claims vehemently that he is born again. But yet, he refuses to depart from the false teachings, from the idolatry, and from the sinfulness. I had two brothers that originally went to be priests, to study to be priests. One of them was in that system for 11 years. The reason he left was the abuse, the sexual abuse of young men. Can a religion that tolerates that be true? I say no. So as you go in ministry, you will be confronted by even evangelical people to accept Catholicism, to work with Catholicism. A tiger cannot change, or a leopard cannot change its spot. It covers it pretty well with camouflage, but underneath, it is a system that led my grandmother, my grandfather, my grandfather before him straight to hell. The reality of a false religion, well hidden. And I am never so glad that God used these scriptures. But I want to share one final scripture that really made, helped me to make a decision for Christ. And it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And here Paul is speaking to Timothy concerning the end days. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, not being able to see the truth. And here is the verse that was the pivotal point in my life where I said, wow, this is it. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from food which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Forbidding to marry. Catholicism bases its whole priestly order on forbidding the priest to marry. 
and I have two brothers that speaks from experience. Thank God one of them is saved and the other one got deeper into the Catholicism. But the one that saw the falsity, I thank God for the witness of my wife. He was a military man. When he left seminary, he was drafted to the Vietnam War. And there he flew 143 missions over Cambodia. He'd come back with his plane with bullet holes through it. Totally, totally disillusioned with God. What he had seen in seminary. And so on. But to the faithfulness of my, my wife, after we came to know the Lord as our Savior, she would write letters to him. Telling him, Phil... You need Christ. You're a sinner. You need to accept him as your savior. And he used to balk and make fun, but my wife faithfully kept writing to him. To end the story, he came to know the Lord as his savior. And the anger in his life and the hatred in his life disappeared. And today, he serves the Lord. I thank God for that. But Catholicism also has a binding effect. My older brother, who was in a similar situation in seminary, turned completely around. After we had shared Christ with him, after we had told him, Joel, the Bible says you are a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. Joel, you need to repent of your sin. You're not right with God. And so he dug his heels in, and he's involved in Catholicism through his life. We, my wife and I have stopped talking to him concerning that. But rather now, we just pray for him that the Spirit of God would open that blinded eyes. And in in 1 Timothy, it says that their conscience is seared with a hot iron. See how strong false teaching can grab a hold of a person. Only prayer can break that. Only the Spirit of God can open that heart. So, 1979, August 16, I still remember the date. The young man in our town that had come to know the Lord through the influence of Dick Goopel, gotten saved, was discipled for him, involved in a little church in Madawaska known as the Madawaska Gospel Church. He used to come and help me with the farm. He was a carpenter by trade. I hired him a couple of times. And he would faithfully share the Lord with me. And I remember one Halloween, my brothers and I got drunk. 
And we used to call this young man who was born again in our community the heretic. The man that is anathema, in other words, curse, because he had departed from the Catholic faith. And we were drunk one night and we had some rotten potatoes and rotten tomatoes. And just for a joke, we thought we'd go plaster his house. So one of my brothers drove the truck and we sat in the back and we'd drive by his house and we'd hurl these things at his house. The next morning, the siding, the windows. Because see, the priest used to openly from the pulpit teach that these Protestants have departed from the faith and they are cursed by the Holy Church and by God. And the thing that amazed me about this young man is because the local sheriff the next morning found out that there was some pranksters. Here I was, a 35-year-old man married with three boys pulling a trick like that. But see, alcohol makes you do some funny stuff. So the sheriff came to David's house and he says, you know who did that? Yeah. Tell me their names. I'll get them arrested. No, he says, Sheriff, that's all right. My house needed washing anyway. So he's out there with the hose washing it down. I could not get over. That was my reaction. What is the guy? Is he dumb? Is he stupid? Because he did not react to the way we treated him. And that left a lasting impression in my heart. It wasn't long. One day, there was a knock on my house. We were in for dinner. I, I forget. And it was my schoolmate, Dave Jundo. Hi, Vinny, we just driving by, thought we'd come and spend some time with you. And of course, we're friendly people. Oh, come on in, Dave. Sit down. Want a drink? Want a beer? No, no, thank you. Came in and uh, we talked about everything under the sun. Carpentry work, farming, working at the mill, so on and so forth. So finally, after we drank a cup of coffee and a tea, and uh, he got up and he said, well, Vinny, I don't want to, you're a busy man, I don't want to take all your time. And he said, uh, we're going to go. So him and his wife got up, and that ate me alive. I knew who Dave was. He was one of them born again ones. But he came to my house, and how come he never talked to me about God? So they're walking over to the door, and it irked me. I said, Dave, answer me one question. Why did you leave the Catholic Church? You should have seen the smile on Dave's face. 
He looked, turned around, and he looked at me. He said, now remember, you asked. He pulled out his New Testament. I had never seen that. What is that? Started flipping pages. Went through the plan of salvation, clearly. You know, I found out later on, see, him and I used to go to school together. I'm not a very big guy, but we never got along. So we used to fight. And I remember beating the pulp out of him in a fist fight. So he was scared to come to my house. But the Lord had spoke to his heart. So when his wife and him drove by my house, there was another neighbor down the road that was questioning. And he said to his wife, I think we'll leave Vinnie alone. We'll go see the neighbor. Guess what? The neighbor wasn't home. So Dave told me later on, he says, when I came back on the crest of the hill, I stopped the car and I says, wife, let's pray. I really don't want to talk to Vinny about the Lord because he's volatile. They prayed and they came. And that's when he turned around and said, remember you asked. Now, I can't tell you all the verses he shared with me, but I do know this. I knew I was a sinner on my way to hell, and I knew that Catholicism was false. 1979, my wife and I knelt by his couch, and we asked the Lord Jesus to save us. Whole new experience. And it's been the, it's a joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Christ died for sinners like me. We thank you that you have called us to share the good news to a world that's dying. And our God, I pray that you use these students here to reach even Roman Catholics for Christ who are so darkened by false teaching. So bless, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.